Will the congregation please rise? I am resurrection and I am life, says the Lord. Whoever has faith in me shall have life, even though she die. And everyone who has life and has committed himself to me in faith shall not die forever. As for me, I know that my Redeemer lives and that at the last he will stand upon the earth. After my awaking, he will raise me up and in my body I shall see God. I myself shall see and my eyes behold him who is my friend and not a stranger. For none of us has life in himself and none becomes his own master when he dies. For if we have life, we are alive in the Lord. And if we die, we die in the Lord. So then, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's possession. Happy from now on are those who die in the Lord. So it is, says the Spirit, for they rest from their labors.
Lord be with you. Let us pray. O God, whose mercies cannot be numbered, accept our prayers on behalf of your servant Letty and grant her an entrance into the land of light and joy in the fellowship of your saints. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Congregation, please be seated. At this time, Paul would like to make a few comments. Um, I would like to tell a short story, um, <laughs> and uh, without Letty here to correct and editorialize, I may actually get through the darn thing uninterrupted. However, having said that, the Delia figures in this story. So, Delia, if you have the urge to correct me, bite your tongue. Thank you. Uh, many years ago, uh, sounds like a, a lyric, I guess, uh, Letty and I hadn't been married but probably eight or ten years, and there was a party given in Little Rock. I, I have no idea what the occasion was, but a lot of our friends, probably a lot of you all were here at the time, and, um, but it was packed with our friends, and for some odd reason, that I can't recall, my mother was there. And so she's meeting all of our friends for the first time. And after this party had progressed an hour or so, and she had had time to talk with and meet uh, so many of our friends, uh, she cornered Delia, whom she had just met. She cornered Delia and said, you know, Letty and Hall have really weird friends. <laughs> Now, she's stating this to one of the weird friends, of course. Uh, diplomacy never having been my mother's long suit. Uh, later that evening after the party was over and uh, a bunch of us were sitting around talking, um, Delia uh, uh, regaled us with this encounter she had with my mother. And, of course, we all uh, had a great laugh about it. And, and we took it as a high compliment, her assessment of our friends, uh, b because weird in my mother's lexicon meant interesting. Now, we've all used the term or the word grace all of our lives, I suspect, in a kind of a casual lay sense. Uh, grace also is a theological term of art, meaning undeserved favor. Uh, theologically, that undeserved favor is bestowed by God. And taking a little liberty with the term, and I'm not so sure after I think about it that, that's, that I'm taking any liberties at all, uh, the friendship that you've shown, that you've bestowed. Anyway, it is 
in my view, an unqualified act of grace. Anyway, I think this may be the last time I would probably ever have the chance to thank all of you, all of our friends. Your friendship over the years has, is what has made our lives joyful and interesting, <laughs> or weird. <laughs> And for that, I thank you on behalf of Letty and myself. Thank you for your act of grace. Thank you, Holt. It's Tucker's turn. Many of you are familiar with Odysseus and Penelope, the characters from Homer's The Odyssey. This epic Greek myth tells the tale of Odysseus' 10-year struggle to return home after the Trojan War. Odysseus battles mythological creatures like the Cyclops, while his wife Penelope held off suitors who were lined up to marry her. She held them off long enough for Odysseus to return. While the Odyssey tells the epic love story of Odysseus and Penelope, I'm here today to talk about another legendary love story that spanned over 55 years, and that's the story of Letty and Hawk McAdams. Of course, the first thing you noticed about Letty was how beautiful she was. It wasn't a flashy kind of beauty. It was the elegant and timeless beauty of women like Audrey Hepburn and Jacqueline Kennedy. However, if all you noticed about Letty was her beauty, you were missing out because Letty was also smart and funny and generous. Letty was smart. I always said she didn't go to movies, she saw films. She didn't read novels, she read literature. Although she was a sucker for a good Louise Penny Inspector Gamache book when they came out. She knew everything about prominent politicians because she watched the news avidly. She also served on the board of the Little Rock Port Authority. She was funny. She wasn't too stodgy to take a silly picture. <clears throat> I have one with an orange stuffed in her mouth, a whole orange. Uh, she had a great sense of humor. She even laughed at Hall's jokes. <laughs> She was generous. She was always there for her friends and family. She was generous in support of causes about which she was passionate. She was passionate about art and served on the board of the Arkansas Art Center. She arranged for an exhibit of William Wegman's photos of Weimaraners dressed in costumes and in funny poses. And she was most concerned about the animals displaced after Hurricane Katrina and she supported local New Orleans animal shelters. Letty joined our law school class at UALR in 1976. She immediately became part of our group of friends. That year, because our schedule required that we take classes during the summer, we decided that we might as well do something fun and study in Europe. And then Carl said he had to push her out the door and lock it behind her to get her to leave him for that long. <laughs> We had a good time. Um, we traveled for the first six weeks, 
and were adopted in Paris by Madame Wren, who was our criminal law professor's former mother-in-law. We were adopted in Lisbon by Jeremy Boltby, who drove us around in his motorcycle with a sidecar, and in Oxford by Fred Poe's friend Andrew. One of the highlights of the trip was the morning we saw cows outside our hotel window in Switzerland moseying down the street with huge cowbells around their necks. They woke us up. Paul joined Letty for a couple of weeks while we were in Oxford. We engaged in typical British activities like drinking lager and lime at the local pub and punting on the Magdalen River. It's really Magdalen as in Mary Magdalene, but it's the way the British pronounce it. So we were on the Magdalen. A punt was like a long, flat-bottomed John boat, but it didn't have a motor. So Hall was elected to navigate the punt using a long pole that reached down to the bottom of the river as he pushed us along. Letty also worked on her case note for the law review while we were in Oxford and had special authorization to use the Bodleian Library. We finished our law degrees and both went into private practice. Letty went with an established and well-regarded firm in town, the Eichenbaum firm. There she received great mentorship. She and the Eichenbaum team successfully defended a lawsuit against Union National Bank, Hall's family's bank. So it was wise that she chose the right side of that litigation. <clears throat> Unfortunately, her legal career was interrupted temporarily by health challenges that required surgery and an extended recovery. I remember talking to Letty at some point thereafter about how sorry I was that she had to deal with the health issues that periodically appeared in her life. Her response was that she had been so lucky in so many ways in her life that dealing with health issues was just the hardship she had to bear. Shortly thereafter, Letty joined me and another lawyer, Joyce Babbitt, at Hoover Jacobson Story. The three of us were promptly dubbed the Budettes because we supported Bud Story, one of the named partners and also a friend, in his litigation all over the United States. We were also dubbed late, later, and latest. I was late, Letty was later, and it goes without saying that Joyce was latest, although I'm not calling out any names here. We formed enduring friendships at Hoover Jacobson's story. During that time, we continued to do a bit of traveling together once to the Caribbean. I remember telling Letty that the gift shop at Keneal Bay had a pair of shoes with her name written all over them. Paul promptly rep replied that he had never seen a pair of shoes that didn't. <laughs> While we were practicing a lot, Hoover Jacobson's story, we were referred a couple of appeals to the Arkansas Supreme Court. We represented the Supreme Court Committee on Professional Conduct. She took one appeal, I took the other. It's a great honor to get to argue an appeal at the Supreme Court, but it's also a lot of work and a little intimidating. We both researched and wrote our appellate briefs. Letty's oral argument was scheduled first and she was relieved to be done with hers. However, shortly thereafter, I moved to New Orleans for another job and Letty had to argue my case as well. 
I'm not sure she ever forgave me for that and asked why I had to cite so many cases that she had to read and be familiar with to explain to the Supreme Court if she was asked. She must have forgiven me, though, because she came to New Orleans to help me move into my house and decorate it. She also won both uh, cases on appeal. It was about that same time that Hall and Letty lived in a lovely older home on Crestwood in Little Rock. Letty was quite the interior designer, and her homes were always stunning, architectural digest worthy. In this home, Letty commissioned a local artist to paint a mural on the barrel vaulted ceiling of the foyer, kind of like Michelangelo in the Sistine Chapel. The mural depicted, you guessed it, Odysseus and his faithful wife Penelope and their dog Argos. It was appropriate that the dog was included as Letty and Hall have always had a great love for their pups. Bobby, the old English sheepdog, Louis the Bouvier, Sophia the Italian water dog, and Elsie and Sally the Cavachons, to name a few. Letty and Hall later moved to their home on Edge Hill, where Letty was famous for her yuppie waif Christmas Eve dinner parties, where she and Hall took in their single friends who had nowhere else to go to celebrate on Christmas Eve. I also remember another freezing cold, starry night on Edge Hill, where we bundled up in blankets in front of their outdoor fireplace and danced to the music Hall put on the outdoor speakers. Letty and Hall have always been great lovers of music. On another occasion, Letty, Hall, my daughter Julia, who was two at the time, and I traveled to Washington, D.C. It was for the funeral of our dear friend Delia's husband. Letty Hall, Julia, and I had taken a side trip to Annapolis, Maryland for the day. On the drive back from Annapolis, Julia, for no apparent reason, bit Hall on the shoulder. Hard. Hall yelped. I don't think he has recovered yet and likely still bears the scar. Lately, Letty and I communicated mainly by phone as she was in Dallas and I was in Little Rock. We would text during football games on Sunday if she was a big Cowboys fan, and Julie and I were rooting for the Saints. And we laughed about Ted Lasso, especially Roy Kent. As Letty's brother Les described it, Letty had a wicked sense of humor. In closing, let me point out something in your bulletin. On the last page, you will find a copy of the poem Ithaca, which is based on Odysseus' journey home but it also describes all of our journeys through life. We hope our road is a long one, full of adventure, full of discovery. Looking back, we can be secure in the knowledge that Letty had a life full of adventure, full of discovery, and full of love. Our first lesson from scripture is taken from the Book of Wisdom. The souls of the righteous are in the hand of God, and no torment will ever touch them. In the eyes of God, I'm sorry, in the eyes of the foolish, they seem to have died, and their departure was thought to be a disaster, and they're going from us to be their destruction. But they are at peace, for though in the sight of others they were punished, their hope is full of immortality. Having been disciplined a little, they will receive great good because God tested them 
and found them worthy of himself. Those who trust in him will understand truth, and the faithful will abide with him in love, because grace and mercy are upon his holy ones, and he watches over his elect. Thanks be to the God. Psalm 46, let us read it in unison. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth be moved, and though the mountains be toppled into the depths of the sea, though its waters rage and foam, and though the mountains tremble at its tumult. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be overthrown. God shall help her at the break of the day. The nations make much ado, and the kingdoms are shaken. God has spoken, and the earth shall melt away. The Lord God of Jacob is our stronghold. Come now and look upon the works of the Lord. What awesome things he has done on earth. It is he who makes war to cease in all the world. He breaks the bow, shatters the spear, and turns the shields with fire. Be still then and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. I'm reading from Revelation chapter 21, verses 2 through 7. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them as their God. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. And then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. Those who conquer will inherit these things, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. The word of the Lord.
The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know now, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him, and have seen him. The Gospel of the Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Letty Hall. Hall and Letty. Over 55 years, it's become one word, hasn't it? The two of you come to mind together. All of us here today are knit together, as Hall observed. I'm so glad he was able to share with us all how precious friendship is to him. And since I knew he was going to say this, it has become the centerpiece of my thoughts to share with you today. He mentioned that it was ineffable a quality of a relationship that we point the tender word friendship at. Throughout their lives, both Letty and Hall have proved friendship was one of their highest values and priorities. I asked Hall if Letty possessed the same rare genius for friendship as he. Ah, oh, she was even more sensitive and discerning in her ability to read emotions than I, he replied, and then observed that sometimes that did not work to his favor. In the highest and most powerful sense of the word, a friend is, of course, someone we truly love. In his succinct opening words, Paul associated friend and love with grace. And he defined all these as unearned favor. So many of us here have known how sweet it is to have Letty or Hall befriend us. 
to love us gracefully, to favor us as a friend. Such a gift is impossible to earn. Of course, you or I cannot make someone become our friend. There is an irreducible mystery to friendship. It's a gift. Friendship moves us into a bond where there is no judgment. One great theologian once observed that grace is synonymous with acceptance. Letty and Hall have displayed such grace-filled friendship in extraordinary ways. The only response, the only response to such gift is gratitude. Uncritical acceptance and affirmation has the power to bring out the very best in each of us, doesn't it? If you've been someone's favorite and been loved with grace, it's impossible not to respond in kind. My wife had a friend, still does, whom she calls her fave. The friend returns the favor by calling her fave. Neither one can remember whose idea it was. Now, what has God done in Christ but to say to you and me, through Jesus, simply, you're my favorite. I love you. What has he called us in Christ but friends? In St. Paul's experience, remember he started off on the wrong foot, persecuting Christians. And when he was struck down by the appearance of Christ himself, lying there blinded, gazing without eyes that could see upward, asking, Who art thou, Lord? Who are you? He heard those wonderful words, I am Jesus, whom you persecute. And went on to say to Ananias, who'd been called to restore his sight, who said, wait a minute, this guy's been murdering us right and left, and he's come here to Damascus to imprison us and murder some more of us. God said to Ananias, he is my chosen vessel. What is it to be chosen to bear God's good news of love and forgiveness. A chosen vessel is what he wants, of course, each of us to become. Later in the epistle, St. Paul said, in Christ Jesus, there is now no condemnation, 
no condemnation, no judgment. Jesus himself taught us that there is no greater love than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends, his friends. Many, way too many through the ages, have been driven away from the gospel, whose two prime laws are to love, love God and to love each other. They've been driven away by a distorted, man-made message of exclusiveness. We use exclusive as a favorable term most often, but in fact, it's the opposite of love. Love is inclusive, is it not? Is it not open-armed, as Jesus was upon the cross, to receive a friend, to welcome another? So many have been driven away by the message of exclusiveness and judgmental condemnation. In Christ, there is no condemnation. The God we know in Christ has no human limitations. The reach and power of his saving embrace knows no bounds. His infinite favor reaches out over every one of his children. Most importantly, it most definitely includes Letty, which is a comfort to us all here as we commend her to his care and keeping. It includes each one of us, particular, especially. He displayed this his heartfelt desire on the cross. Greater love than this is not possible. Looking over Letty's life, is it not evident, as Tucker said, that she is his favorite? Certainly one of his favorites. Looking over your own life, I hope it's clear that he has favored you as well through many dangers, toils, and snares. So what should we expect to happen when one of his favorites dies? How many wrong answers have been proposed through the ages? When I was a boy, I heard sermons that scared me, frightened me, to think about God as an angry God, holding me over the flames of perdition and then weighing my good deeds against my bad and one bad deed too many and whoops, drops you. I said, don't drop me. Don't let me go. If God was like that, I didn't really want to go to heaven. Judgment, the scales, one sin too many and down the pneumatic tube to hell forever. I've heard it preached. (laughs) 
limbo, another man-made idea of where we go when we die, for centuries awaiting Jesus' second coming, as if it hadn't already occurred. We call it Easter. (laughs) He came back. And as if he had disappeared from this earth, and he's up somewhere out of reach, and he sent a kind of celestial sub named the Holy Spirit to take his place. I've heard that preached, that the Holy Spirit, Jesus can't be here now with us, so God sent the Holy Spirit to be with us. What does Jesus provide if not Jesus? What does the Holy Spirit provide if not Jesus' presence? And didn't he say, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the ages? Did he ever really leave us? Or did he enter into a state of being where he could be omnipresent, omnipotent, and all the omnis? He's still with us to comfort and restore us. We don't need to sleep for millennia waiting for a second coming. The new life is at hand before the old is ended. The rapture. I know the scriptural warrant for these thoughts, but how have they been distorted? Empty shoes where somebody went. No. God is going to gather us all together for sure. How and when? It's up to him. Even Jesus said, I don't know. It's up to the Father. Even I don't know. And it's vain humans who want to try and explain and predict how and when it's going to happen. But I promise you and me this. We won't miss it. I know people who say, well, he won't come in my time. So I'm just going to bet that I can get through this life doing whatever I please and count on his divine mercy hereafter and I I won't, I'll bet it doesn't happen. Well, when we die, it will happen for each and every one of us. We will meet God and we will meet Jesus. He promised to the thief on the cross, didn't he? This very day, today, you'll be with me, I will be with you, where? What word did he use? In paradise. Paradise. Instead of purgatory, has there ever been a worse word or concept invented by human minds than purgatory? A loving God's going to restore his offended sense of justice by hurting us for ages, depending on how bad we've been? How much pain is he going to inflict upon us? I don't think so. I'll take paradise. It's not a Hebrew word. It's not an Aramaic word. It's not a Roman, Latin word. It's not a Greek word. It came from Persia. I don't know where Jesus got. In his limited experience, he latched on to the word paradise. 
He's hanging on a cross in agony. And every word he utters from the cross is very important and very revealing and very authoritative, better than anything human minds can invent. He came up with paradise. What it meant was the courtyard around the king's palace where an ambassador or traveler would be met by one of the king's servants taken to paradise where he'd be bathed or she'd be bathed and anointed with fragrant oils and clothed with new clothing prepared to meet the king. I like paradise as a way of thinking about it. And I like very much thinking that Jesus will be there to meet us and prepare us to meet the king. So today, what do we claim for Letty? Paradise with Jesus. What do we trust? He's going to provide her with a hope that is sure and certain because he promised it to an undeserving thief on the cross who hardly had a glimpse of who Jesus was. He just said, if you ever come into your kingdom, basically, don't forget me, think of me. And Jesus responded by giving a thief a gift. Paradise. It's not what we deserve. It's not what we've earned. It's a free gift of grace like friendship and love and acceptance and grace. It's the gift God wants to give us from his loving heart. And Letty's already there. Paradise. Amen. And now, as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. sister Letty, let us pray to our Lord Jesus Christ, who said, I am resurrection and I am life. Lord, you consoled Martha and Mary in their distress. Draw near to us who mourn for Letty and dry the tears of those who weep. 
You wept at the grave of Lazarus, your friend. Comfort us in our sorrow. You raised the dead to life. Give to our sister eternal life. You promised paradise to the thief who repented. Bring our sister to the joys of heaven. Our sister was washed in baptism and anointed with the Holy Spirit. Give her fellowship with all your saints. She was nourished with your body and blood. Grant her a place at the table in your heavenly kingdom. Comfort us in our sorrows at the death of our sister. Let our faith be our consolation and eternal life our hope. We pray to you for Letty and for all those whom we love but see no longer. Grant to them eternal rest. Let light perpetual shine upon them. May her soul and the souls of all the departed through the mercy of God rest in peace. Amen. Give rest, O Christ, to your servant Letty with your saints. You only are immortal, the creator and maker of mankind, and we are mortal, formed of the earth, and to earth shall we return. For so did you ordain when you created me, saying, You are dust. And to dust you shall return. All of us go down to the dust, yet even at the grave we make our song, Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Into your hands, O merciful Savior, we commend your servant Letty. Acknowledge, we humbly beseech you, a sheep of your own fold, a lamb of your own flock, a sinner of your own redeeming. Receive her into the arms of your mercy, into the blessed rest of everlasting peace, and into the glorious company of the saints in light. The God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Let us go forth in the name of Christ. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God.